Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, hey, happy birthday to my bae friend bae, Tiffany. Meanwhile, like the next time we tape, my birthday will actually be closer. What? But... No, we... oh, that's right. That's true. It'll be past, but only by two days. I'm like, my math, it cannot be that incorrect. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. Either way, I'm going to be turning none of your business. Like, no, I'll be turning 38, <laughs> which sounds so crazy coming out of my mouth. I'm like, I still feel 25. 38 sounds great. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I'm excited because Superman was like, you're not allowed to do any work. He told me weeks in advance or months in advance, like, take that whole weekend off. And he's been like, like leaving the house on secret jaunts with like his sister and his best friend and like asking me all these cryptic questions about like, what shoe size do I wear? I'm like, Lord, what is he doing? <laughs> shoe size? <laughs> I don't know. Ooh, roller skating. Ooh, let's, let's have it. Let's guess. Roller skating. I hope it's not bowling. Right? Or just like, what size in general? What size do you wear in this? What size do you wear in that? Do you like earrings? Do you? Li- I'm like, what's happening? <laughs> oh, maybe he's going to pretty woman you. I feel like it. Honestly, yeah. I have a strong suspicion, which I'm slightly nervous about because we have different um, tastes, let's just say. <laughs> you've, you've heard a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah. Superman would have me in like door knockers and like, you know, cross colors if it was up to him. So I'm just like, yeah, let's not go too crazy with um, with the outfit or whatever it is. But I did tell him that I, because he'd asked me kind of like, what did I want? And I said, honestly, a house. And then I'm like, now that's happening. So <laughs> now I told him, honestly, I just want to spend like a nice day with him, just enjoying nothing too crazy. I'm not, you know, he was like, do you like, do, would you want to go to a club? I'm like, nah, I mean, I'd have to really be in a mood. It's possible, but I doubt it. So we'll see. In my experience, going to the club with your SO is not that much fun. Yeah. Like, with your husband. I mean, I love my husband, but I don't, I'd don't. i much rather be on a couch watching Netflix than like yes. spending $15 on a cocktail with him. Like with other people, it's whatever. But, you know, it's just kind of like it's a little awkward. Yeah, I feel like that too. So I was like, yeah, no, likely no club. No club for you. But um, like my mom says, whatever they do, just tell them you love it. <laughs> yes, I have perfected I that. This is amazing. I'm trying to get my voice right. <clears throat> oh, my God. No, that's too high. Oh, my God. Okay, that's good. That's my normal natural. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm sure it's going to be awesome. Bless them. Well, happy early birthday. I will be, I will toast to you uh, from the resort in the Dominican Republic where I will be beginning tomorrow. I'm so excited. Yeah. How long are you guys going to be there? 
Just for it's just for a wedding, so we're going to be there Wednesday through Sunday. So nice, four days, four days ish. Yeah, it's one perk of marrying a Dominican, I guess, is you get to go to all the Dominican weddings. So I'm really excited. Um, Is it how how did the Dominican Republic fare during the hurricanes? Really, actually, they got really lucky, as far as I know from his family and um, friends, and what we've heard from them. They got really lucky. Of course, you know, extended family in Puerto Rico, which there's not very many. weren't as lucky but yeah actually I joke because I'm like yeah I married a Dominican so I get to go whenever I want but jokes on me because he's actually his family's actually from the Santiago uh the, the city of Santiago which is like smack in the middle of the country no water no river like barely even rivers oh. like <laughs> it's just like the jungle and well not really a jungle but it's like rainforest and um there's like the worst mosquitoes you'll ever encounter in your life so oh my gosh <laughs> that's hilarious you're yeah like, you're thinking you're like ooh, sun and surf and they're like yeah more like um, birds and trees, which are beautiful, but not what you were thinking. More like, you know, come visit my uncle and here's a mango from his tree and here's some eggs from his chickens. Like, you know, it's just like more country than that. It has its charms, but, you know, it's not a four-star resort, um, which is, you know, has also has its charms, obviously. <laughs> yes. But I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited. Ah. Anyway. I could use a vacation after what's happening. I know. I was in like, the world. so many things. I'm like, what should we, what should we dig through first? We might, we have to talk about this whole Harvey Weinstein controversy. I feel like everybody's talking about it now. Everybody. And I'm like, it just keeps getting worse and worse. And I'm like, what? I mean, you know, well, for those of you who are like, what? Harvey Weinstein. So just to set the stage, he is, he's a producer, Mandy. He's like the producer. I mean, okay, the producer. I don't even know if a producer is a big enough word for him, but he co-founded Miramax, which is was Gin- a ginormous. Yes. Um, still powerful, but not as ginormous as it was like in the nineties. Um, yeah, but his his company produces films that lots of us have watched and heard of, like Goodwill Hunting and um, uh, Shakespeare in Love, like all these films that have won Oscars over the years. And you, I always knew him as like that person people were thanked in their like their acceptance speeches, but I never really knew who he was, you know. Like, mm-hmm. thank you, Harvey, darling, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. But um, meanwhile, while he was helping people launch their careers, he was also mm-hmm. groping them in in dozens of hotel rooms around the world. Yes, and and ex like basically imposing his the power struggle, basically, like, so these young women who were, you know, like up and coming models or, or actresses or whatever, putting them in positions. I think I read Ashley Judd, which I love Ashley Judd, um, that when she was a young up and coming actress, you know, Harvey had her in the room. It was like, basically trying to make overtures. And she was like, yeah, no, I'm kind of good. It was like, well, then watch me shower and all the other kind of stuff. And she didn't know what to do because, you know, what do you, what do you do when you're like, wow, this person can make or literally destroy my, my acting career? What do you do? Yeah, he was literally producing the movie that she was shooting at that time. Yep. And um, so she was so nervous. So she turned him down, obviously, but was nervous about what was that going to mean. Um, she told her mom, I think I read this article, she told her mom, and her mom was like, uh, yes, that was definitely sexual harassment. I mean, he, she went on to obviously do the movie and do well, and she said she didn't have an incident from him. Um, after that, but still, other actresses are coming forward, like Gwyneth Paltrow and and um, um, Angelina Jolie, and just like, wow. 
And it's, just like his secretaries and all that kind of stuff. And you're just like, what? You know? That's what really grosses me out about the story. Because so first it was a New York Times article. And in the New York Times article, they say there are several other media organizations that have been trying to do this story for years, but you could they couldn't get enough people to come forward. But so the New York Times finally gets, I think, enough people to come forward and use their names to go forward with their story. And then the New Yorker today published their takedown, which is um, which which included women who said that he actually assaulted them and in oh some cases gosh. possibly allegedly raped them um, oh or forced gosh. himself on them. And then and then on top of that, the New York Times ran another story where like Gwyneth Paltrow and bigger names are coming out now acknowledging. And it's, what's really freaking creepy is like every and I'm sure even the reporters have more. They, I, I'm sure they have more examples of this than they even included in their stories, but all the stories sound the same. Like he invited me to a room and there was a casting agent or an assistant who was supposed to be there, but they disappeared. And then we were mm. alone. And then he asked for a massage. Like it's constantly him yeah. asking for a massage or watch me undress or watch me uh, take a shower, you know, come into the bath with me. Like so, and it's just, it's just uncanny how all the stories are the same. And he's been doing this for so long. And it was this apparently, I mean, we're not in the world of Hollywood, but apparently it was this like open secret for so long. Yeah, yeah. And and now we're at a point where, you know, he's been out. First, he took a leave of absence. Then, I, then I'm then pretty sure his company saw the New Yorker story or were asked to comment on it and then actually fired him. So now he's been completely ousted from his company. But I'm like, how was it, how did it go on? For, I mean, I, I guess I understand how it went on for so long because we've seen it in so many other cases, like Roger Ailes, Bill O'Reilly, Bill Cosby. Yeah. Where and you know Bill Cosby, it was a sort of the same thing where, oh, he gave me a drink and then I woke up and I had no idea what happened. Yeah. Um, just and then like, you're like, because what does this mean? Because it obviously he he clearly targeted people who were you know up and coming or you know i mean there are not too many people honestly in the in the, mu the movie industry that were bigger than harvey so almost everybody is quote unquote um below him you know and so i just can't imagine being like you know this like up and coming actress and wanting to succeed and then this man who you know is all powerful in this industry and he comes on to you and you're like, what do I do? I can't, like, am I supposed to tell? Because then if you tell, that's it for your career. Like, what do you do? That's why so many people didn't want to come forward. I can understand that. Yeah. And lean, like, there's been a lot of, um, I think in the day, like the days after the New York Times story, because that was like last week that came out, people were being critical of um, the lack of, uh, you know, after a story like this comes out, typically you hear from females in the industry like we did. We heard from like Lena Dunham and others. But a lot of people were like, where are the men at? Where are the men at condemning mm. this behavior? And I think I just today saw a headline from Matt Damon. And Ben Affleck, that. too. Oh, Ben Affleck, too, who came mm -hmm. out and spoke out. Because their movie, Good Will Hunting, you know, was produced by him. Mm. So, um, But I'd be interested to see who else in the industry speaks out again against it. Because like, even faves like Meryl Streep have in their speeches been like, I, I have to thank this man. He, you know, he made my career. Um, you know, I owe him everything. And yeah, it's icky. It's um, and it's it's just like another. And I was reading the stories in the New Yorker because it, I think it had better anecdotes from the women who were impacted. Like there was one woman who was an Italian actress who claim who alleges that he um, forced himself on her, and she eventually gave in to what he was trying to do and went through with it, and how she just blamed herself for years and years. And 
it was really the nuances. I think it really, I think it really, her story especially, I think was a good example of how gray and icky and complex sometimes instances of sexual assault can be. It's not the black and white, you know, he forced himself on me and I kicked him in the balls and ran away. Mm -hmm. There's so much psychological like warfare happening and the power dynamic between, you know, this great, like you said, like a, a media mogul and a young actress is so just like having all that pressure on you and then someone's forcing himself on you. I, I can't blame, and I hope it's sad to me to hear the women, the victims blaming themselves, but I, I, I think it's important to hear their stories because it shows that even if it's not that movie version of sexual assault, it's still assault. Yeah. And, you know, and, and they still deserve to have a voice and to, to speak out against it and not feel like they're going to be persecuted because it wasn't like a textbook you know, yeah. sexual assault, if there is such a thing. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, so how, like, why now did the New Yorker kind of say, cause I kind of like perused through the article, like what, you know, what was the tipping point that make this story break? Honestly, the way that the New York times, like I said, the New York times article had acknowledged that several other organizations have been trying to write the story for years. And in fact, a couple of them are working on stories right now. I think the New York Times was the first one to get enough people to go on the record. They probably got Ashley Judd and a couple of other women to come on the record. And they were like, okay, we have enough information. We can go forward. And I, they probably got those on the record comments before the other organizations did. And, yeah. and then I think the New Yorker right behind them. The New Yorker probably might have even been ready to pu- publish her own story last week, but maybe waited. This is just me kind of understanding how like media organizations wait. So if the New York Times scoops you on a story, like that sucks. But then you go and try and get more sources, more on the record sources and run your own story. And um, I think that I think that the New York Times finally got enough people after all these years to go on the record, publish their story. And now like we've seen in the past with Bill Cosby and others, as soon as the first story goes out, everyone or not everybody, yeah. but like a lot of people want to come forward. And then you'll you'll start seeing stories everywhere. Shoot. Yeah. Like, well that's because then I can understand people are like, you know, oh, why are you saying something now? Because if I don't think anyone's gonna believe me, I'm likely not to say anything. But once somebody can confirm and sometimes you think you're the only person when something bad happens to you. And then you find out, wait, that happened to you too. So there's the safety of like I can now be believed, you know? And I think a lot of the actresses that are coming forward now, you know, they have these established careers that he can't necessarily harm, like when they were beginning, you know, kind of like new actresses. So I could see why Ashley Judd was like, you know what, I can come out now because I'm established and this is not right. You know, I just we are not friendly to young women who speak out who are not established because like we're not you look at the there was one woman, I think it was the New Yorker who got the audio. So this woman basically claimed, went to the police, said that he groped her, and the police wanted to put together a sting operation, so they mic'd her up and sent him to his hotel room and wanted her, wanted her to have a conversation with him about what happened. And she does, and anyway, the New Yorker has the audio of it, and it's really disgusting. And when oh he's gosh. like, I'm a very famous man, you know, don't embarrass yourself. Don't lose your friendship with me for five minutes, because he wanted her to come talk to him for five minutes. Anyway... Um, but this woman actually, so she went to the police. I believe she went out. She's come out before and gone public with her accusations. And all of a sudden, there was like a his lawyers. There was like a smear campaign against her. You know, yeah, they, they dug that. up this stuff in her past. And I mean, and honestly, if I were a woman who had been assaulted, 
by a famous man or like a man in a place of power. Um, and I saw that it took 30 years for this to come forward. Like I was, I wouldn't, it wouldn't encourage me to speak up these yeah. types of stories. Just, I just feel like they almost make you feel like even less like you want to speak up because clearly it took like so many years, so many voices coming together for this kind of story to come out. And, and I, I mean, I agree. I don't know that. I mean, when someone's in the position of power, it's not just like, it's your livelihood. What do you say? You know? And I always yeah. go back to that story of, it doesn't have to be sexual assault. It's like, do you remember that story when I was at Yahoo and I had the makeup artist, I had, I was working with this makeup artist. He was, he was, um, um, he had been working there for like, I think a year or two. And slowly over the course of working with him, he would say the most mean, like abusive, um, like manipulative things to me, just like little things like, you know, uh, um, he would, I'm, I'm struggling to come up with examples now because it's been so long. But um, in one case, he was like really, really being rough with my makeup. And I said, um, you know, could you please, you know, go lighter with the, with the makeup. And this was toward the end of all these altercations we had had over the course of like six months or whatever. And he's like, well, you know, this is why no one wants to work with you at Yahoo. This is why mm. no one wants, he would say these little things and I would just want to be, I would want to not be a diva. There was always other people in the room and I was a lowly, not a lowly, but I wasn't like Katie Kirk. And, you know, I wasn't mm -hmm. like, I wasn't top of the call sheet. I was just in my, do my little money minutes, you know, getting my makeup done or whatever. So I didn't want to cause a stink. But then finally, I opened up to another girl, another young, another young reporter who is an anchor on one of the shows. And she was like, oh, my God, he says the most abusive things to me, too. And then another girl talked about how one time he looked at her and was like, you know, asked her who abused her as a child to make her act like the way she was acting. Oh, my gosh. And we all three were like, you know, in my in my case, it wasn't like every everything he was saying to me was so it wasn't going to break me. It wasn't like you know, um, I wasn't going to walk out of there and, as, you know, as a whole human, but they were just slowly, just like very, very like disturbing and like, uh, um, verbally abusive things that he was saying. And then to find out other women were experiencing it. And then we sent a group email to the video department and he ended up not working there anymore. But that, that to me, it's like an example of, it's just like little subtle things that mm -hmm. can like add up. And then I, and I was like, well, why didn't I say anything sooner? You know, that the head of the head of video even asked me, you know, why didn't you say anything sooner? And I'm like, I, I don't, you don't want to, you know, I don't women know. are taught not to be troublemakers. You're taught not to rock the boat. You're taught not to disrupt, you know? Yeah. And you're, and you're also taught, it's almost like you, it's like, oh, is it really that bad? It's like, no one teaches you. When is it, you know, when is it so bad that you have to speak up? You know, I don't know. I, it just didn't seem so black and white to me that, okay, I really need to speak up. But then, and also didn't seem, you know, I'm, I'm a tough cookie. Like I can take this jackass, you know, saying things to me, but then to find out that other women had been spoken to even worse than I had. And like, mm -hmm. maybe if I had spoken up, he would have been fired and, you know, he wouldn't have an opportunity. Um, I always think about that. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I would do anything differently. I wish I could say, yeah, you know, I would, I would go back and speak up earlier, but you never know until you're yeah. in, that, in that seat as a young woman. No, you're, you're right. You never know, honestly, until it's so easy until kind of like your back is against the wall and it's just, 
it's, I find that I'm a much better advocate for other people than I am for myself, you know, hundred percent. And so, you know, it's easy for me. Like if I see someone doing something wrong to someone else, I'm like, what? Like, no, but me, I'm like, well, you know, I could take it. I can, a lot of times I stand up only because like you said, I think about what does this mean for someone else? You know? I know. Is there any case in your life where you're like, have, do you have this, have you ever had an interaction with someone like consecutive times and you're like, next time I'm going to say this or like next time I'm going to do this different. And then it keeps happening. And then you just, for some reason or the other, continue to not speak up for yourself. Oh yeah. All the time. I told you, like I had this bad habit of having like, and thank you guys for tweeting me about like, someone actually told me, they're like, I'm a bully friend. I'm like, Oh, (laughs) 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 Oh, people are like confessing. I'm so sorry. So yeah, because I, like I said, I tend to, um, I don't know if it's like middle child syndrome, but uh, I'm a people pleaser. And so I always take it really personally if someone is um, mean to me or doing something because I think to myself, well, what did I what did I do to elicit this response? I must not be nice enough. I got to smile enough and perky enough. And hey, it's OK. I'm, you know, and what's so bad about when someone is like when someone is um, just nasty or mean and they pick up on, oh, I got me a people pleaser here. They will abuse you more than the average. And so I've definitely been there where I'm like, oh, my gosh, OK, this has gone too far. I'm, you know, next time I'm going to say, hey, you not today. And I'm like, and then it happens. And I'm like, oh, you know what? Actually, I'm just going to be even nicer. But then every like every once in a while, like I will break where it'll be like I'm exhausted and I've tried and I'm tired. And then I will be like, not today, you know, and I finally signed up for myself. And they're like, oh. And I find that sometimes, like, I remember when I used to teach preschool, I had this woman who was so mean to me. Um, and and I was 22, and she was, like, 40-something. And she just made it so difficult to be uh, a good teacher. And um, she, finally, I snapped. And I said, enough. You're not going to talk to me this way. You're not going to treat me this way. It was even, it was a, another layer that she was older. And, like, I just grew up, like, in a culture where you really don't, talk back to older people. Like there's a level of respect that you must display. And so finally I snapped and that was all she needed. She basically was like, girl, I was waiting for you to stick up for yourself. And I'm like, really? So abuse for a year. But yeah, it's not easy to stand up for yourself. Um, But for some people they have an easier time. But for me, it's certainly not easy, but I'm definitely gotten better at it where I don't let it linger as long as I used to, or I recognize it um, further away where if I see someone has that tendency, I just, I'm like, okay, I'm not even going to allow them into my space. So I try to like nip it off at the bud because I'm, like I said, I don't, I hate conflict. I don't like people being upset with me. And so it's not really my nature to like, if me and Superman are like in a, you know, like we're having an argument or whatever, I'm the silent one. Like, you know, like he's like, well, let's talk about it. And I'm like, oh, I don't want conflict. I will just pretend like it never happened. Okay. He's like, that's not, <laughs> that's not healthy. That sounds healthy. <laughs> but he's so good. I'm like, where should you know how to communicate like this? He's such a good communicator. Like, so yesterday, you know, I could tell you were mad. So what happened? And I'm like, who are you? He's like, Dr. Phil. And meanwhile, I'm like, no, nothing. I'm fine. He's like, really? Because you haven't spoken to me in 24 hours. I'm like, have I been silent? Let's just. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, it's, yeah, so I, that's why I feel for, for these women, because I can't imagine, you know, because I've thankfully only been in a situation, like, once where I was like, oh, my God, I remember I met this guy at the mall, he was cute, 
Um, and I gave him my number and we were like, oh, we're going to hang out. And I made the mistake of like, I was young. I had to be like 18 or something. And he's like, oh, I, he picked me up. He was like, oh, I've got to go to the house to get my wallet. I forgot it. So being dumb, I said, sure. So went to his apartment to get his quote unquote wallet. And I knew it was going to be some trouble when he locked the door. Not like locked it like you can't get out. But like, what do you need to lock the door for if you're getting your wallet? I remember thinking like, oh, snap. And I remember being like, oh, yeah, he's like, sit down, make yourself comfortable. It was a, it was a studio. There was no place to sit but the bed. So I sat like at the edge of the bed. And he came out of the room. Like, he went to the bathroom. He was like, I just got to go to the bathroom. Mandy, he came out naked. And I was like, oh, oh my God. You were harvey Yes. And I remember thinking to myself, honestly, I remember thinking to myself, I've never been raped before. I'm going to be raped today. Like, I remember literally, like, bracing myself for, it's, it's going to happen to me. Like, okay, you, you, you have to brace yourself. And he got on, like, the bed behind me. Like, so he's laying. And I'm literally, I mean, I, I could not have sat more on the edge of the bed. And I don't know what he was doing behind me. The TV was on. And we sat like that for like an hour. He said nothing. I said nothing. And I was just like, what is happening? Like, I don't know what he was waiting for. I don't, I don't know. And so nothing happened. I literally sat at the edge and he was behind me. I don't know if he was touching himself. I don't know. And then finally he was like, all right, are you ready to go? And I said, yep. Because I was afraid to run to the door because I didn't know if, if something in me, and, and now I look back on it, he, some people like to chase. And so something in me said, don't move. You know, that like if I would have ran through the door and tried to unlock the lock and, and get the key, that he would have like attacked me. And so me not saying anything and not moving, it was like, okay, he was bored with this is not the get. I, I can't wrestle her to the ground. She's not moving. She's not crying. She's not anything. I just didn't say anything. And so we left. And um, I remember, you know, him saying that, oh, I'll drop you off. And I had him like my dropped me off like four blocks away from like where I live. Like, oh yeah, this is my house. Okay, bye. What? And it was a time of beepers. And then he like paged me was like, hey, I'd like to see you again. Of course I ignored it. Then oh he gosh. started going ballistic, paging and calling and calling. It was crazy. Like, I know where you live. I could come to your house at any time. I'm like, yeah, go to that house if you want to. <laughs> I don't live there. But I remember thinking to myself, yo, first and last of putting myself in a position like that because of like me being like dumb. So, yeah. Well, you dumb, you know, be nice. You were you were young. I mean, you don't want to blame yourself. At the end of the day, he's the creep. That's true. But I just mean, like, putting as a woman, like, I had to, like, really recognize that, like, I, I have to be on guard because I grew up pretty sheltered. I, I never had to really be on guard before. And I honestly wasn't the first time. I, like, it was, I recognized that, um, that in college, I learned that if you agree to go to a guy's room, then it was like you were sending a silent message to many men that like, oh, I'm down for with the get down. And it took me a while. Like, like I can remember going to a guy's room thinking we we're going to study. And like, he's like, oh, thinking like we're going to make out. And I'm like, no. And he wasn't like particularly mad, but he was surprised. Like, well, why'd you come? And I'm like, what well, is that the thing? Like, if, so if I come to your room, that means that I'm agreeing to at the very least make out. And so I just stopped going to anyone's room. And I remember asking my male friends and they were like, well, kind of. I'm like, now I'm older. I'm like, that's rape culture. Oh, if yeah. I agree to, you know, if I agree to study at your room, I'm not agreeing to make out with you. So, yeah, it's, and I remember just telling my sister when she went away to school, like, you know, after me, like, just, just kind of giving her, like, the rundown of, like, you know, just being very mindful of her surroundings, of, like, not going to anyone's room, because for whatever reason, studying in a room means, hey, you're likely to get some sex from me. Um, so yeah, yeah, I just, I like, I just 
remember thinking, I can't even remember, like, just thinking back, like, I really was like, you're going to be raped today. That's, it's happening. Oh, Ugh, I'm so glad. That's really scary. I, what? I said nightmares for, like, weeks. Of course, I didn't want to tell my parents, because I was like, they're going to be like, you're never allowed. I was never allowed out anyway. You know, so I was like, they're like, you're never going to be allowed out. So I didn't tell anyone. I just was like, and then, you know, I remember now, I saw him a couple years later, like, downtown, and, like, he, he cursed me out. I think he was just crazy now that I look back on it. And he was like, oh, I remember you, you stupid this and that. And I was just like, yeah, okay. And I just remember him, like, walking down the street yelling behind me and, like, other men looking. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, so you're not going to say anything to him, you know? Ugh, I just, yeah. Sometimes people can be the absolute worst. I see why people are afraid when they have daughters because not to say that men can't go through it, but I feel like women are so vulnerable physically, you know? I feel like I've been so lucky. Like, I acknowledge how lucky I am. All the travel I've done, all the, like, close calls I've had, I haven't had any issues. But you know what? I don't feel like that's made me, like, a – I don't think I'm going to be a relaxed parent because I was so lucky. I think I'm going to be even more strict. <laughs> I'm going to be, like, I was lucky. You aren't going to be. <laughs> like, <laughs> I used up all the luck. Um, <laughs> yeah, right? Because they say, isn't it one in four women or one in three women are – um, um, sexually like assaulted or raped. That sounds right. I don't, I don't know what the statistic is, but it's a lot of, it's a lot of women. Um, but thank you for sharing that story. No, you're welcome. I mean, you know, I think everybody has to be on their, like, uh, on their guard. I mean, thankfully, you know, I've got a good boo now. And honestly, I feel sorry for anybody who wants to step to the left or right because Superman does a lot of things, but play is not one of them. <laughs> like there's times I have to be careful because I'm like if I'm complaining like oh such and such client he's like who where do they live I was like no that's not what we do he's like no no where did where they where did they live <laughs> it feels so weird because I just you know I grew up like just taking care of myself so like it's weird to have like it's someone and honestly some of the guys I dated weren't exactly the most like protective and yeah. so to have someone so overly protective I'm like no you can't are you gonna Are you gonna beat them up? No, no, no. Just Just talk. I'm like you're, you're six six. I don't think talking is what they're gonna see when they see you coming. <laughs> no, and he's not much of a talker. So, but it feels nice to know, like, ah, oh, you don't want none of this, even though I'm not gonna let him. Just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm at least I'm glad to see that they at least actually fired him. It's a damn shame. And, yeah. ha- and like a third of the board apparently left. There's no way they didn't know this. Was, I mean, he was settling all these lawsuits all these years. But um, I mean, Harvey, don't worry. You'll probably be our next president now. It's you'll 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 be fine. Exactly. Um, it's just really sad. But uh, it's um, and, you know, you want to give the advice to young women if this happens to you in a work area, in a workspace, you know. you know, take the complaint to your human resource department, um, to a superior or whatever. Um, It just really, it really, and I know I don't want to spend too much time on the topic, but it really pisses me off because that is so inadequate, that advice, because, you know, I've interviewed, we did a story last year on a young woman who did this exactly, went to HR several times and was retaliated against by her employer because she went to HR, was demoted, was was given less work, you know, and although she ended up doing the same thing a lot of these women do, settling a lawsuit out of court um, with her superior, she, in order to keep her job, would have had to continue working with this creep. 
Um, they didn't mm. fire him. He was still working there. Um, and so in the end, she still was the one punished. She had to leave. She was a single mother, leave her job and go find something else. And it's just not a perfect, there's just no like perfect la la la, like happy ending to this. I think it's so much the onus is on the companies themselves to take action and get rid of people who at the top who are taking advantage of their power at the position in power. And I mean, I can't say it again. Like we need more women in places of power, please. Yes. Um, for sure. It, we, and it, that's the only way. It's the I only way I think it'll it'll stop. And a lot of women, not just one. Because I think one woman at a board table with a bunch of men is not any better. Um, we need more, more, more. More, more. Are we, are we going to talk about um, uh, Dove? Dove. Um, we can talk. Is this the Danielle Brooks controversy? It's the, no, no, the um, the the commercial is that what you're talking about? Well, Danielle Brooks, yeah, yeah. I well, I think I learned about it because Danielle Brooks from Orange Is the New Black. She wrote a column on Lenny Letter about the Dove commercial. Okay, so I came in it from the back door. But... Okay, because I was like, no, I I just saw it because I'm in this um this uh like branding group called like Build It, Brand It, Launch It with Arsha Jones. It's like Arsha's last name, but anyway, someone posts. They there people are always posting kind of like case studies and like just asking, "What are your thoughts?" And we try, which I love. What I love about the group is that you try to um, fix uh, other brands' kind of like issues in an effort to better understand marketing and stuff. So it's a great like you know kind of like um, great group. It's mostly women and brown women. Ow. Um, so yeah, someone posted the still shot, and I said, "What in the heck? This can't be real. This can't be real." And then, um, you know, so people were kind of like going in and talking about like, you know, why this is not good, what Dove can do. Um, but then I went to go watch the video, the actual commercial. And I know this is not super popular. And I was not going to post this on my Facebook because I don't want people to come for me. But the commercial wasn't that bad. Explain and I the commercial because I actually haven't. I've only seen screenshots. I haven't actually watched it. Okay, so the commercial, the purpose of this lotion or whatever soap is supposed to show that it can fit different skin types. So it's this cute brown girl with the bun. She takes off her brown shirt, and as she's taken off, she becomes this redhead, this cute redhead with, like, a long ponytail. And then the the redhead takes off her shirt, and, and um she becomes this Middle Eastern, maybe Hispanic kind of, like, looking beautiful woman, like long black hair. And as that woman takes it off, it's an older woman who's really pretty. So it goes from like different race and age and of like, hey, this this soap can help everyone. And so when I saw the commercial in its entirety, I was like, oh, although what I thought was strange was why did Dove have this screenshot? Like from what I look like, the woman in the group who shared it, shared it from Dove's page. I'm like, this is the most unflattering screenshot because all you're showing is a woman, a black woman, slowly unpeeling and becoming a white woman. Like, oh. I don't know how anywhere. <laughs> so that people probably just saw the screenshot and made a judgment call. Yes. And, yeah. But in, I guess with all that's going on, even with the larger commercial and not being that bad, I don't know that that order was a good idea anyway. You know, because with all that's happening and I'm just like, Dove, like, uh, and someone it was just said lotion. Oh, uh, it's either lotion or soap. And uh, honestly, like someone said it best. Someone said, hey, Dove, I'm looking at the whole commercial because I was like, no, it's meant to show the different when they're like, I got you. But did you bring a brown person into the room and say, hey, thoughts? Honestly, because this could have it's just true that if you brought 
someone brown into the room and said thoughts about what you know someone's going to say i i get what you're i get what you're trying to do oh sorry this is yes i got it it was a mosquito and Ooh, i said not today it's the little things right i get what you're trying to do here but it having a brown woman black woman turn into a white woman no matter how you slice it it's not a really it's not a good idea you know, and that I see where you're going with like, but there has to be a better way to illustrate that different skin types and skin tones can use this. There, I mean, obviously there has to be. I mean, Rihanna just lost, launched Fenty and showed that like, hey, this is a makeup brand that, that caters to all kinds of women without having to do this, you know? Um, hey, at yeah. least they match the undershirts to the color of their skin. Like, it's nice. Hey, we have undershirts in different shades now. <laughs> like, yeah, I just was like, so like I said, the overall outrage, I mean, I, I, the still shot looked terrible, but the commercial in its entirety wasn't as bad. Although obviously it wasn't, a, it wasn't good. Yeah. Um, they yeah, but they, at the marketing table maybe. Yeah. But I don't know. I honestly, I can't say if I had seen that, I would have raised any alarms. Honestly, I, I I can honestly say I probably wouldn't have, because when I saw the commercial, I was like, oh okay, and also, so honestly, I, I went about my business, and then when I saw it blew up, I was like, are we talking about the same commercial? But then I realized most people had never seen the commercial, that, and even then, you know, by then they were already so enraged that there was really no pulling back. I think most people just were reacting to that still, because that yeah. still shot is damaging. It is, and it's just not the time to be making even like even the 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 um, perception of any sort of like racism or perception of colorism is just people are just really we're just all sensitive to it right now um but i don't know i'm giving dove a pass can i be because like dove does so much for i don't know i think they were one of the earliest brands to like have di different skin colors different ages and they're at they they try, they try it's not like i think it was even i think it wasn't as dramatic quite as dramatic as like that shea moisture controversy of a couple months ago um that's just my, I'm playing devil's advocate. Send me your hate mail at brandambitionpodcast. I know, I was going to say, I know, I know people are going to be like, what? And like I said, I'm not saying, I mean, it's not saying that, that it, it was well executed or whatever. And not to say that, you know, there's not a history, obviously. Like, I mean, if you look at some old, old Dove advertisements, like you, you there literally is like a little brown baby getting into like Dove soap and coming out quote unquote clean and white. <laughs> So really? yes, yes. Well, I've but never the, seen that. Okay, maybe I need to brush up on my Dove commercial <laughs> history. So there's definitely that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. Like, I think that a lot of the 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 backlash is mostly the screenshot, not necessarily the whole commercial, and that it's not well executed. And this is what happened. It's kind of like my brown um, break today, but it's not well executed. And because to me, there's not enough um, there's not enough people in decision making. Um, like rooms to say, Hey, yeah, that's not really going to fly. Yeah. Apparently I shouldn't be in marketing. Yeah. I'd be like, yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> well, what? Yeah. Another, did you read it? How do you feel since we're going to be on this, these controversy topics? So, and this is also related to like, I think being a person like being at work and all the things happening in our country right now, the xenophobia, the racism, the Black Lives Matter, the police brutality, the NFL protests, whatever. All these subject matters are very delicate subjects to broach in the workplace. And I think we're all seeing the worst of this um, from Jameel Hill at ESPN, who was just fired for her tweets, um, speaking out against um, the Dallas Cowboys owner for his disrespect, quote unquote, of um, players who have been taking the knee. 
mm. and protested Black Lives Matter. So she was fired. Remember, this is the same like ESPN anchor who Trump himself or the Trump White House, I think, came out saying that she should be fired when she criticized him, called him a white supremacist on air. Thoughts? I mean, I personally, I mean, if the, if the truth is the truth, call it the truth, you know? Um, and I knew that they were, cause I saw like, you know, that, and, and I knew when I saw like, you know, the story about her tweets, I said, yeah, they're going to let her go because honestly, not because it's right, because it's so easy to dispose of Brown women. Like who's fighting for you that has any position of power, you know, who's the woman above you that says, no, not today, you know? And so it's just such a shame, you know, but I'm just so glad that more and more people are willing to speak out despite the consequences, you know, because it it's almost like after a while, it's like you can't fire everyone. You can't let go of everyone. You can't diss everyone, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, what she was saying is, you know, if you just, if you don't agree with what the Dallas Cowboys founder has done or the owner, then you should boycott, um, boycott their advertisers or whatnot. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, t- I understand like, you know, being a journalist, I don't cover like politics, you know, she's in sports. There is like this and there, it's been completely blurred, but this expectation to be completely unbiased. And I think it's really hard when you're, when you're a journalist because we're human beings. Um, and I think we all have to be careful in our, in our jobs, just what you say on your Twitter feed and on Facebook is, can get you fired. Like, yeah. and it's just, um, it's up to the companies, you know, they gave her, I think it looks like they gave her a pass for the first transgression and she apologized. And I guess the second time, um, it was, it was too much, but I think about that. I, I definitely edit, I censor the hell out of myself. On, I don't even tweet hardly anymore because I'm too afraid of what I might say because there's just too much I want to say. Um, yeah. And I, when I put things on Facebook, I definitely have my filter for friends only except for acquaintances. And acquaintances are like all of my work colleagues and relatives and whoever, you know, because I'm, I'm just I'm trying to be over over protective of my own voice so that I don't get myself into trouble. No, and I think that too, honestly. I mean, I, I do censor myself. Like, if it's straight, like, budget Nista stuff, like, you're not going to see me really talk about, like, politics and stuff on, like, the budget Nista on Facebook or the budget Nista on Instagram. Unless, I mean, every once in a while on, like, Instagram, I'm like, I you know, I will say, I'll share something. But, like, my personal page, I'm a lot less, um, you know, I'm a lot more free to, to share. And even then, it's still, I share my opinion, but in a, in a more in a careful way, knowing that it's still, I'm still, even though it's Tiffany, you know, there's still my brand and my business that's attached to it, but it doesn't mean I won't share my displeasure. I will. I'll say, you know, this is unfair. This is not right. Or this is, you know, like I, you know, but I might not share as much on the budget Nista page, at least not in that way, you know, but then sometimes I'm overwhelmed and I'm like, I don't care. This is terrible. You know, and so, but even then I'm still yeah. mindful of like how, like, you're not going to see me curse, but that's just not me anyway. But I mean, I, you know, you're not going to see me curse. You're not going to see me, you know, wish harm upon anyone. You're not going to see that, you know, you're going to see, and just know that if I do share something I thought about it and I looked at it and I read it and I read it again, you know, because I just, but I just feel like I have to say something, you know? So it's hard because, you know, these days you have to think to yourself 10 years, 20 years from now. You know, what, what is it that I'd like for people to see? And so, and everyone's, I mean, I know there are some people who their ministry, you know, for lack of a better word is to, to disrupt in that way, meaning that they are here to be the the megaphone and say, no, no, no politics, religion, all of that stuff. I say it. 
And that's their ministry. That's that's the way that they make the world better. And I'm I commend that and I'm happy for that. But I know for me that one of the things that my disruption is to say, you go out there and you shine a light person and I will support you. But what I do is I try to take women, especially women of color and say, okay, girl, at the end of the day, if you don't have no money, you don't have no power. So let's get your credit together. Let's get you this house. Let's get you saving. Let's. So that's what I actively, that's my activism is that like, if I can teach brown women how to not only stabilize their finances, but to grow and excel, that is where I'm like, that's what I'm working on, you know? So sometimes cause people will be like, oh, Tiffany, are you going to comment on that? And I might, but honestly, I really, that's what I, that's my overarching goal. Like I'm not teaching financial education because it's not, so, it's not random. It's very calculated to, to cultivate a group of brown women who are not only just financially secure and stable, but who are killing it out there. So that way, you know, when, you know, when the time comes for you to ask for a raise, you know, there's a brown girl sister sitting behind the big desk. When the time comes for you to borrow money, it's a sister sitting there. It's what, you know what I mean? Like, that's really important to me. And um, yeah, that's really important to me. So like, that's kind of my way of giving back. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Yeah. Shall we segue? Yes, it's a perfect segue of breaking and boosting. And I think I wanna I wanna boost the um brown women who are in those positions. Honestly, every single major contract that I've gotten except for one has been because a brown woman was in that room fighting for me. Like I think of like the major brands that I work with, like a Ford or or um, even like some of the TV shows that I'm on now and stuff. Like when I finally get to the space, there's a sister there who pulls me to the side and says, girl, I've been telling them about you for three years. I've been putting together PowerPoints and presentations and this and this and this and that. And finally they said, well, we'll open the door just a little bit. And Tiffany, you come in and when you smash it, I look at them like, I told you. And, you know, and I just wish that, that's why it's so important for us to be in those spaces because I, so much of what I do, I would not be able to do without these women who I don't even know advocating for me. Like they're my sister, cousin, mother, friend, you know? Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many women, like literally like, you know, it will be something major. And I'm like, this is so great. How'd you find me? And they're like, Oh, Jalissa told us. And I'm like, who's Jalissa? <laughs> Jalissa's like, girl, me, <laughs> you know, or like, no, Tanya told us or no, Drina told us or what. And, and almost without fail, 
that person will have told me that they've been working on it for a number of years. Can you imagine? Years. And I'm like, really? They're like, girl, yes. They've been saying, oh, we want someone. We're looking for a finance expert. Or we're looking for this. I'm like, oh, what about Tiffany? Nah, nah. What about Tiffany? Nah, nah. And she was like, year after year, I bring you up. I, I pull up your numbers. I show them your growth. I show them your... And, you know, finally, you know, and then your job and my job is to kill it when I'm there and to over deliver. So that way they can say, see, see, I told you. Um, and so that way it leaves the door open so more, more brown ambition folks can, can come through the door. And I just want to give a brown boost to those women who are in those spaces. Like when I work with Prudential, it was two brown women that pulled me in. Prudential is I am not the target audience for like a Prudential, you know, it's very much an old boys club at Prudential for the most part. But these women pulled me in on small little assignments and said, Tiffany, just kill it. Okay. Then bigger assignments, Tiffany, just kill it. And then it grew. And before you know it, Prudential was working with more and more brown influencers and bloggers and stuff as it relates to personal finance. And so I just, yeah, I, I cannot thank these women enough for one, being where they are when there are not many of them and being an advocate. Like I did a, I did an interview today um, and um, the woman on the phone, even though she wasn't a brown woman, she was a, she was a woman. She said, oh my God, it was so nice talking to you. She said, they wanted me to do an interview and they had all these lists. And I was like, no, I refuse to interview another white man <laughs> about, and I was rolling. And she, this is a Jewish lady. And she was so cool. We had just a great conversation about kids, about everything. And so we were just talking in general. She was like, no, when I get the opportunity to write for or publication, I'm always looking like, are there any people of color? Are there any women? Like, they know things too. And that's what you need is that the more of us that can be in these spaces, the more of us we can pull in. And so, yeah, I just want to give a brown boost to those women out there who are you know, not only like in these spaces, but are making it their business to pull other women in. Amen. I endorse. <laughs> I endorse that message. So what about you, Miss Mandra? Are you going to boost a break? Oh, you know, you know me. Let's keep things <laughs> positive. I'm going to do a boost. Yeah. Shoulder shimmy, shoulder shimmy. With a twist. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> so my boost is. Speaking of putting women of color behind in, in the boardrooms, in the executive suites, I think behind the camera is important too. Case in point, this fabulous uh, Chinese uh, producer at Fusion put together this really exceptional video on the history of tipping. And I think those two things should are related. I don't think that many other producers would have cared to look into the history of tipping um, if it weren't a minority woman. So I was really excited to see this video by this young producer, but I had no idea the history of tipping. I mean, I like to consider myself like well-educated, but no one ever told me tipping goes all the way back to slave days or Jim Crow and like the, the, mm -hmm. the, the history of, of, um, of um, African-Americans in this country. And like, did you see the video? I, I know I posted on Brown Ambition. Did you get a chance to watch it yet? No, no, but I know you're talking about, but I did not it's see the good. video. It's really good. So basically the concept of tipping, you know, obviously in Europe, there is no tipping. Like you just like pay whatever you pay. And in many countries, I don't know, but I don't want to speak for every country. But like when you leave the United States, I'm like, oh, this is so nice. No one has to tip at all. In our country, you know, waiters and waitstaff get paid like $2 minimum wage. I think an hour is the federal minimum wage for waitstaff. And they're supposed to make up the rest of their wages and tipping. 
back in the day when tipping was made a policy, it was a way for employers to get away f- to get away with not paying black workers who were mostly in service jobs any mm. money at all. And tipping was seen as like something that you would do to someone in a um, someone you see is lower than you. Like it okay. was it was seen as, oh, you wouldn't tip a white waiter. That's rude. You know, they you only you but you would tip the the black waiter because that is that's their station. Um, it, it just it took a long time for it to be seen as and of course, more, more and more non minorities taking uh, service jobs to be seen as, okay, we actually need these tips, tip well. But even today, as the video points out, and I, I, I don't know why I've never considered this or thought about this either, but studies show that people of color, especially women of color in service industries and waiting jobs, get tipped significantly less on average than, mm. than white wait staff. So yeah, I kind of lied. That was more of a break. But a boost for the video done by a great... <laughs> This is Chinese uh, producer, young woman um, named Isabel, and a break for continued racism, um, messing up our money. You know what? It's so cra- like I try my best now to really tip. Like I try to at least get you know like the the fifteen percent. I mean, not I don't try. I give at least a fifteen percent, and then you know I really try to tip well. Like if you were, uh, you know, a good waiter or waitress, then I, you know, I, I try to be like, oh, you know what? Here's an extra because, you know, you'd like to reward good behavior, but at the very least get your 15, 20% in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have because, that one friend who you go to dinner with and they don't tip? Uh, I did. Honestly, and I stopped going to dinner with her. Yeah. I was going to say, I stopped honestly. Cause I mean, even when, if you don't have enough money to tip, then you don't have enough money to eat out. Like that's part of it. Like, you have to pay for the service for someone to bring food to the table and bring you your water when you request it. All that kind of stuff costs that that tip is to pay for that. But I will say sometimes what's kind of annoying, but I get why people do it. Those have you ever been to those restaurants where the tip is included? Um, they're they're becoming more of the norm in New York City, like a lot of. But no, I haven't gone to one yet. And so the only thing I don't like, I remember I went to a restaurant with like a, it was um a, a family. I maybe it was like five or six of us. So oftentimes, if you have like a larger, like over four or five, sometimes they'll include the tip in the bill. Oh, yeah. But I'm like, tell me. I remember the first time it happened and I was, I didn't realize, so we were all paying and then I was like, okay, everybody, your tips. And so we were all gathering additional money and then someone happened to look, they're like, wait, the tip is on here. We were going to pay like an additional, whatever, 70 bucks or whatever. And not to say we wouldn't have tipped a little extra, but we were going to do the customary tip. I'm like, uh, that should be clearly stated. So people are not double tipping like i mean it's one thing to tip somebody well it's another thing to literally double their tip by like a hundred dollars you know yeah so yeah that's the only thing but yeah no i'm a good tipper now i have to say i'm not gonna lie in my youth i was not a great tipper i mean i was the bare minimum tipper but i was not like a great like here's a little extra something because i was like mm. i used to take out my calculator and be like okay four dollars and 32 cents let me give my third anybody got two pennies like that's I tipped exactly <laughs> exactly fifteen, and now I'm like go ahead and keep this six or seven dollars, three dollars for your troubles, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a better tipper now. I try. You tip. You tip what you can, but you gotta tip something, and don't don't be cheap. It's a couple bucks. Like I don't know. It's a turn off for me when people are like that cheap with yeah. their money. Then maybe don't order seamless if you don't want to pay two dollars for a tip. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And then exactly. Because I mean, like I said, the t- tipping is part of the fact that like you have to pay for service. 
I mean, if you want to, if you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at our legislative, our legislators who haven't changed the laws on, and they're still allowing people to get paid dirt cheap money for you know these minimum wage um, waiting wait, waitressing and what do you call it waitering <laughs> like wait wait staff something wait I don't staffering, know staffering um, jobs because you know they're allowed to pay two dollars and whatever as a minimum wage and then you have to make up the money and tips so if you want to you know piss somebody if you want to yell at somebody don't don't not tip the poor person who's has who's stuck with this minimum wage you know send a letter to your congressman or woman make your voice heard Exactly. exactly. I hope that friend is listening. She knows who she is. <laughs> we always have good questions. Yes, we do. We have a couple of good questions this week. Um, and if you want to send your questions to us, you can go to brownambitionpodcast.com. Dot com. And also, if you just want to go straight to the source, you can email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. .com. Thanks. <laughs> um, real quick, we have a question from someone who is having some issues with her secured credit card and needs our help. Um, oof. Oh, girl. Okay. Uh, doesn't say if she wants to be um, anonymous or not, so we'll err on the side of just calling her Natalie. Okay. So Natalie says... I opened a $500 secured credit card with Bank of America. Since then, I've been a few days late in payments once or twice. I I also carry high balances, but I pay the card $300 to $400 at a time. The bank hasn't increased my credit limit or changed the card to an unsecured card. Should I wait for the bank or should I try and increase my own credit by depositing more money onto the secured card? Or should I just pay off this card and stop using it? What's the best best action I can take to increase the limit of my card and switch it over to an unsecured credit card? Ooh. Ooh, child. When you said you were late a couple times, I said, ooh. This is a danger zone. This is like. <laughs> yes, this is. is like This is like the person who's like. So I saw this pill on Dr. Oz and it says I'm going to lose 50 pounds. <laughs> I know. Uh, no, don't. Oh, I'm like afraid. You know, you don't want to. No. Yeah. This is danger zone. So from the sound of your question, I'm I'm hearing that you're not quite prepared perhaps for a unsecured credit card. Right? Is that what you're hearing? Um, I, you know, the fact that she will play – Three hundred to four hundred dollars lump sum lets me know that it's not that she's not ready for it, but um, she's probably going about it the wrong way. Because if she were to say honestly, I've got this, I've got the, li- I've got, you know, I'm at three or four hundred dollars I've used on the card, and I just can't seem to get ahead. But the fact that she's able to pay those lump sums like that lets me know, okay, there's money in play. She does have enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's, so, that's a good yeah. one. For people who don't know what a secured card is um, and how it works, so the general idea with a secured card is you put down a deposit. Um, it's like $500. So the bank takes your money and says, thank you. Now we're going to give you a line of credit, quote unquote, and you're going to use the money you gave us as collateral. So if you don't make your payments, we just keep this money and go about our business. But yep. if you make payments on time to yourself almost – um, at the end of 12 months or however long it is, we will give you back your deposit and give you the chance in some cases to upgrade to a regular credit card, uh, yes. unsecured credit card. And all that means is that there you don't put any money down. They just give you the money to borrow without requiring collateral. 
Yes. Um, I don't. So have, I call it. I call it like a credit card with training wheels. That's what I call it, secure cards. Yeah, that sounds about right. And it's a good way to build credit. Um, the best way to the best way to use it, obviously, is to make all your payments on time. Um, I hope that these late payments didn't hurt her credit too bad. Um, but she's wondering if she should, because clearly she is. She her limit is too small for her. She wants a card with the higher limit. Yeah. And she wants to know if she she should keep waiting for the bank to increase her limit because it's been over a year. She says. Or should she just drop this card, close it, and apply for a regular credit card somewhere else? So here's the thing. This is what I, I suggest. Like This is what's going to make a bank make your secured card. So I'll give you an example. Superman had a secured card with our bank. Um, when I met him, he had it for maybe like, I don't know, maybe like eight months or whatever. But it was almost maxed out. And he was making small payments a month. And I was like, why? And he thought that's what he was supposed to do. Until I was like, well, just pay it off. And so he did. A few months later, his credit score really jumped up. And so I had him put small charges on the card a month and paid off in full every month. And by the time the end of the year hit, they inc- doubled his limit. It was 500. It was now 1,000 or something like that. Yeah, 900 to 1,000. Gave him back his deposit and took the secured part off the card and became an unsecured regular card. So a bank, your bank is looking to see, one, do you make on-time payments? That's that's the bare minimum if you want them to make it a regular card. Two, if you really want to increase the likelihood of them making a regular card, keep your limit under 30%, ideally paying it off every month. So I, I don't know if this is your only card, but you know, if you can keep, if it's say it's a $500 card, you really never want to have a balance over $150. And ideally, Pay it off in full every month. Is it possible? Are you like really using using this card? Is it possible just to put a small charge like your Netflix account or something on this card and pay it off every month? If you do that for the next few months, then you can approach them and say, hey, you know, I've been really good with the card. I paid off in full. You know, when, you know, when, when will the, like the secured part be able to be taken off? Because you can call and ask. You know, typically after a year of proper usage, they take it off. Um, but because you've missed a couple or you were late a few times, so they're still probably keeping their eye on you. Um, so that's what I would suggest is that. And so what I would do, and this is what I did for Superman, is I had him automate. So if I were you, so you don't miss payments anymore. If you're able to pay a three or $400 lump sum on the secured card, why not on the day that your your um, your balance is due, that you automate a smaller payment so you you never are late, meaning like, let's just say your minimum amount is 25 or $35. Automate the typical minimum amount. So that way, you know, at least I'm not late. Even if I didn't pay it off in full, at least I'm not late. And then when you get your lump sum, get your lump sum and pay it off every month. That's what I do at the, at the very um, least to start to get the process going in your favor. I agree. I don't know that it's a good idea until I don't, I don't know that it's a good idea to run and open a different credit card. Although it's possible that she might get approved for a different credit card if her credit's improved um, from the secured card behavior. Do you feel like when secure cards upgrade you to a, another, a, the, the an unsecured credit card to like a regular credit card, is it often a, a good deal? Like, are you getting, are you getting a card with good terms or any, like, are there fees usually? Like, what is, what's like a step up credit card? Do you know anything about that? Well, I mean, I could just tell from just, I could just tell you from experience of um, of Superman that he there was no additional fee. His interest rate was decent. It was kind of in alignment with his score, which was okay at the time. It was like maybe like low seven hundred ish, and I forget what his interest rate was, but I remember comparing it to kind of my interest rate, and it was decent. Um, 
And so it's more so like even if that's not your usable card. So, for example, I've, I have credit card, I have a credit card that I've had forever um, that I'm not going to close because it helps me with my length of credit history. My interest rate is not great. So the only thing that goes on that card is my Netflix. And then I have another credit card that the interest rate is great. And so that's the card that I use. So you might have your secured card upgrades itself. And that's just the kind of the card that you use, like to just like prove um, that you can make a payment every month and pay off something every month. And then your, your credit is strong enough for you to really apply and, and, and get qualified for a card with a much better interest rate. So sometimes cards can have different um, usage. So for me, some you know, like one of my cards is it's not really to use. It's just to prove, hey, Tiffany's good with cards. She pays it off every month, even though it's just one small charge. Um, so that's what I would I would look into because you don't necessarily if your credit is already taking a hit. I don't know that I want you to get an inquiry for applying because every time you apply for credit, whether you get it or not, you get a little ding on your credit score that brings down your score. You know, a few it could be a few points and it could be a number of points, double digit points, depending. And so I rather you massage this card and get upgraded without the inquiry than go and apply for another card that you may or not even get and then get that ding. We have a related question and I think it highlights one of the it highlights sort of the importance for of shopping around even for the best secured card offers because Secured cards are an awesome tool to build and improve your credit, but some of them have fees. Like I didn't realize yes. this. Some of them charge monthly fees. We got a question from listener Opal a couple of weeks ago, and she said, I recently paid off a couple of credit cards. I feel really liberated. And I was going to, I was going through them to be sure that all of them had a zero balance, but I noticed one card charges a fee of $4 a month, and I charged mm-hmm. a $4 fee even though I had a zero balance. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to email a couple more times with her to get to the bottom of it. It is a secured card that she has. So the question is, um, should I just close out the secured card account or leave it open and keep paying this $4 fee on the side? If she, if she has other cards, then I would close it. I, I ended up closing mine. So I had I got a secured card for my business because it's similar. They were like, I applied for a regular card. They were like, oh, you tried it, girl. You don't even have any type of credit history. And so they were like, but you could get a secured card to kind of build your business credit history. So I did. And there was a fee. It wasn't um, it wasn't um, uh, monthly, but it was yearly. And I didn't realize that because like it char- it was and it wasn't a little bit. It was like, I don't know, maybe like 50 or 60 bucks or something. And so I realized, yeah, once I was able to get the um, I was able to get. So for, for whatever reason, the business account didn't automatically upgrade to a regular card. I had to apply for a whole separate regular card at that same at my same bank. So I got it. And so I closed the other card because I'm like, well, why am I going to pay the 60 bucks a month or whatever it was a, a year when I have my regular card at this um, bank now? So I if it was the only card I had, I would maybe wait, apply for um, a, a regular card. So, you know, you can keep your established credit history or you can start to build credit history with that card. But I would close it because if your credit score is good enough for a regular card that you that's really the purpose to me of a secured card is to build your credit history and credit score so if it's good enough for a regular card you no longer really need it especially if it's charging you monthly you know yeah all right we're ready for some wins wins you go first i'm gonna do a win for my chase reserve card which is still serving me life Two years yeah. since, wait, how long has it been? I feel like I I've been, you. 
Yeah, it was this time last year. I think I got my reserve card, paid for the honeymoon trip, all the well, not the airfare and um, some other things, but not actually the hotels. But for like a good chunk of the honeymoon, I've been milking this card all year long, and I still have points. This we're going to DR, like I said, and book the. I found a better deal on my hotel through Chase Ultimate Rewards than I did online. Like mm. even on which was I think I got like twenty dollars off per night. And then I booked my airfare through them, and I'm just the happiest customer. I think it's the one, like like we said, like there's a $450 annual fee, but if you can manage it, I think it's totally worth it. Because even even after I went through that bonus, you know, everyone said, yeah, you know, with the 100,000-point bonus, of course you want to get it. But I think if you travel a lot and eat out a lot, even without that, that crazy high sign-on bonus, I think they, they downgraded it to like, what, 50 or 50? 40,000? Yeah, something like that. But like, yeah, I got that signing bonus literally like the day before because you were like, don't wait. (laughs) Don't wait. Because they snatched it it out real quick. They lost so much money on that. But um, anyway, shout out to finding the the credit card that that has the keys to my heart and just matches me very well. And um, yeah, I think if you even if you travel, even if you miss the initial crazy high bonus, but if you travel a ton for work or for whatever, and you like eating out, I still think it I still think it makes a lot of sense because they give you that $300 um, travel credit every year. And then they give you three points back on like dining and, and travel. Um, and you get like a TSA pre-check and global entry and all that kind of like other perks. So yeah, I'm a stand. So I wonder if for the travel credit, like if you don't use it, do you lose it? Well, you don't have a choice. They just put it, they just give it to you. Okay. Cause I've seen it. Look, I just saw it this year and I was just thinking to myself, wait, I didn't use it this year yet. And so I'm just like looking at oh, it like, oh, no, I see what you mean. Oh, actually, I don't know. I was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said that because I had, I happened to book a flight the same day that the travel credit was applied. And I was like, oh, they just did that so quick. Um, yeah. So I, I think I'm going to, yeah, well, we'll see. So yeah, mm-hmm. no, because I did see it on there. I was like, oh, there's money on here. If you don't spend at least $300 on travel, you probably shouldn't have the card in the first place. Cause that's so is that I'm, is that what it does? No, I use it like all the time, and I'm like, I'm sure I do because I, I use it whenever I book flights and stuff. But I saw it recently on there, and I'm like, wait, how do I have to apply this? Well, you don't do the applying; like it just tells. So whenever you, so let's say, you know, the clock restarts on your travel credit, um, then you spend twenty dollars on Uber. You spend the twenty dollars, and then you'll see on your statement it'll be like negative twenty dollars. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, how did that work? Because yes, I see. Because yeah, no, that's the card I've linked to everything, and now I'm super excited because I've actually linked it. So I do a lot of Facebook marketing, mm-hmm. and I spend like a quite a bit amount of money, and so I realized, wait, I'm missing out on some money. So I'm gonna link that card to my Facebook marketing account, so that way I can just be earning, earning, earning uh, points on top of points. Because I told Superman, I'm like. The way this house is looking, because I really want a dope house, so I'm willing to spend a little extra. I was like, we won't be able to go on, um, you know, a nice vacation in a little while, but maybe we can earn a nice vacation. So that's totally. what we're working on. Yeah. Yeah. It also helps traveling in hurricane season, not going to lie. <laughs> oh, that's because right, it, does, it does it have automatic um, insurance? Uh, my Oh, yeah. The Chase card does have, um, has really good traveler's insurance. Yeah. I think if there were a weather-related thing, I think I'd be covered. But luckily... Knock on wood, things are looking good um, for us. So I'm excited. You're well, welcome, Chase, uh, for free advertising. 
Yes, exactly. Right? Somebody from Chase called us because I'm not I'm not gonna lie. I'm not really a huge Chase fan. Only because you know you guys took my house. But no, you know, no hard on feelings. Aww, Whatever. You're not alone. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, I mean, other than that, your card is pretty dope. Um, my win is Marley Diaz. Remember Marley Diaz? She started that um movement, um, a thousand black girl books. Oh yeah. Yeah, so, like, I know her mom. They all live in, like, Jersey. And her mom has this awesome nonprofit uh, called... Oh, I forget the name of her nonprofit, which, of course... Rude. Yes, I know. And it's, like, really dope because I used to volunteer for it. Um, And so every year, it's, like, a summer camp for, uh, like, empowering young young brown girls. So her mom, Janice, is awesome. And you know how people have, like, their 15 minutes of fame? Yes. So, well, her mom, Janice, is a, is, um, is a doctor, like a PhD, um, and super smart. And her mom is, and her father, because I can't even, you know, let him, I just don't know him personally. But they've done such an awesome job with, like, really making sure that, like, Marley is everywhere. She spoke at, like, the Forbes Summit. She, I mean, she's amazing, like, as it is. Like, you know, like, if you, if you speak to her and meet her, but... You know, sometimes things happen and it's just kind of like, oh, you know, there's a flash in the pan and that was so great. No, she is still going so strong. I mean, so strong. She just wrote a book. Ava DuVernay did the, did the forward to it. Um, she, yeah, she's interviewing one of my, um, my publicist, Drina, her client, who her name is Patrice Culler. She is the co-founder of Black Lives Matter. Um, she's just, I don't, I like, I see this, she's only 12. And so I think, I think the movement started a year or two ago. So just imagine the 10, 11 year old, just like, and I just love the fact that her mom is so supportive. Like, you know, she told her mom, Hey, there's not enough Brown girl books, you know? And her mom's like, what are you going to do about it? And she said, let's collect some. And they did. And just to see like how it's evolved. And I think, was it, I forget, uh, it was a Teen Vogue or one of these magazines is like helping her start a magazine to encourage other young girls. I mean, just Marley is just, amazing she's living mandy woodruff's 12 year old dream marley yes she just spoke at um the girl scout convention and smashed it yes oh my god i would have been so jealous of her if i were 12 yes i just meanwhile at 12 i was still like which barbie i mean i don't play with barbies but kind of i do i mean what at 12 i was like i don't even know what i was doing at 12 i was still trying to figure out like what braids to get like you know on to beanie babies by 12 (laughs) i don't I, I know I wasn't doing anything like this. And I'm just really proud of her because she's just dope, like self-aware, self-possessed, just, you know, just an all around awesome young woman with awesome parents. And um, I'm just really proud of her. Like she just popped up in my feed and I just said, she truly is brown ambition um, at its finest. Love so it. Marley, mm-hmm. Marley, and I'm going to ask your mom, you know, should I be blessed with a brown baby? So um, are you teaching a, how to raise an awesome brown girl lesson because I'll take those lessons. <laughs> For real, every parent I know with kids that are like amazing, you know, and not like amazing in like a, I push my kid, I'm a soccer, I'm a helicopter mom, I, I push my kids kind of way. Just amazing in this like, hey, your kid is well-adjusted, happy, smart, you know, that kind of thing. I'm asking all of them like, so what's your secret? Because, you know, if I have a little bambini or bambino, I want them to be happy and <laughs> You know, but I also want them to get straight A's. Like, no, honestly, that doesn't matter to me <laughs> as much as them being happy and, um, like, figuring out, like, what their gift is and, and living that truth. 
I think they'll already have a leg up. <laughs> some awesome you never know. Kids, kids could, whoosh, it'll I be only their fault if they don't shine. <laughs> I see some kids and I'm like, who are your parents? I know. <laughs> I know. Well, 18 long years, you know, you could be killing it the first five and really mess up the middle ones and they'll still turn out all right. You know? <gasps> okay. Ooh, I just, somebody just wrote me. This is just a little something to end on. There's this, like, psychic lady, this brown psychic woman that I follow. Although I'm not really sure, you know, how much I believe in, like, but I don't know. I just feel like anything's possible. <laughs> okay. So she wrote me, like, a nice little message. You know, I'm probably not supposed to share, but, you know, I'm going to overshare. She was like, she's sending me. She's like, I have a psychic message about pregnancy heading your way late December. <gasps> you need a ton of rest, less travel. I'm like, damn it. Feet up until the sixth of the month. I'm like, darn it. I'm like, I'm supposed to go to um, Australia. Cut the stress, even good stress. Oh, I hope the little one arrives. Wow. And she said, he, <gasps> pay close attention to your body. So, you know, me and Superman are trying. Like, you know, like I actually have a... Um, you know her? I do. Well, kind of. Like, like a lot of my friends, like, get readings and stuff with her. And they're always like, you should, you should. And when she... Because she does lives. And, like, so I watch her lives sometimes and I'll ask a question or whatever. So, like, not like, you know, like, we've met. But, like, social media met. Like, so we're cool enough. So she, you know, so when she wrote that, I was like, because we're trying, honestly, I actually have an appointment with, like, um, doctor uh, in a couple of weeks and then two because I'm 38. Well, not yet, in a couple of days, but <laughs> because I'll be 38. Like, you know, like, also looking at, like, a fertility, like, doctor to, like, really talk about that, you know? You know, you're more likely to have twins the older you wait. <laughs> I know. Get oh, ready my, for that. And, and Superman is already a twin. Oh, ooh. I know. I think it's over. Oh, I want you to have twins. No, first of all, he's ginormous. They like broke their mother in half, him and his twin brother. I'm like, I can't do it. There's all kinds of technology now. You'll be fine. Oh my God. I think his daughter was like 13 pounds. Something like <gasps> insane. No, I know. stop. She, when he showed me her newborn, her newborn picture, she looks like a one-year-old. I was like, how come you don't have any pictures of Supergirl as a newborn? He's like, that is. I'm like, no, no. Like when she was like born, born. He's like, that is. I'm like, no. I mean, yo, this, <laughs> this, this baby, yo, I swear, Mandy, she looks a full six to eight months. And I'm like, this is how she came out of the womb? <laughs> Me, meanwhile, her mother is like, it's like my size. She's not big. She's little, petite. They're like, yeah, he was like, yeah, it was a lot for her. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready. Oh, child, be careful who you choose, ladies. If you get a big one, you never know. <laughs> so yeah, on that note, you never know. Let's be on Baby Watch. Send me your good baby vibes, all that kind of stuff. I'm open about it. I'm like, I want to have a baby. Get to go do some, uh, go do some, uh, what you call it, with the needles on your face. Oh, Acupuncture. Yeah, not, not that much. <laughs> not that much. I'm like, I'm scared of needles. I mean, I just bro. read your horoscope for Leo or Libra. I think you'll be okay in that department. Um, just everything else is let go and let God. Let okay. The, let the magic of the ovaries work. <laughs> <laughs> right now, Jerome is like, and I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> Awesome as usual. Was it when I said ovaries? Was that it? <laughs> it's like tap it out, tap it out. We should give like we should give like a, a um a little like well we never know sometimes if we're gonna go left. Sorry, Jerome. Next time. I don't need Jerome hanging over us making us apologize for saying ovaries. <laughs> Jerome is, is here. Jerome can stay if he would like to stay. If Jerome leaves because we say ovaries, he doesn't deserve us. That is the this truth. Is true. Oh, see, this is why I have you around, Leo. See, that's what the Libra needs. <laughs>
the Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.